Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Amen. Luke chapter 5. There's a scripture that God has spoken to us as a people. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. I'm, I'm just going to read it again just for emphasis. But today we're going to take a pit stop, another pit stop. We took a pit stop last week and um, we'll take another pit stop. Luke chapter 5, verses 5, uh, verses 1 to 11 in the New Living Translation. It says, One day, As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some more fish. And that's the word that God has spoken to us. And you know the rest of the story. Simon obeys God, and they obeys Jesus, uh, throws down his net. And the Bible says that he, um, they, they got a miraculous catch of fish. But then more importantly, in verse 11, um, verse 10, he says his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And then in verse 11, it says, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Last week, we took a a pit stop, like Pastor Agu said, and um, he'll continue the message on launching out in the deep. But today, we want to take another pit stop. And you know, talking about pit stops, I'm not sure how many people are familiar with uh, Formula Formula One racing, car racing. I, I, it's not, I'm not a fan of it, but I, I, my son watches it, so I watch it once in a while. You know, for, for the benefit of those who are not aware, a pit stop is where, you know, the cars are racing. But every now and then, they must come back to the pit for the mechanics to check the car. And it's an amazing thing if you've ever watched it. In minutes or seconds, because time matters in a car race, in seconds, you find loads of mechanics, they swarm around the car, they jack up the car, they're changing the tires, they're checking this, they're checking that, they're replacing, all in a matter of seconds because for the car to succeed, those things need to keep happening every now and then for them to succeed in the race. And today, we take a pit stop for a particular reason. You see, God's desire, ladies and gentlemen, actually, before I go into that, let me tell you, what the Spirit of God laid on my heart. Your best days are ahead of you. Okay, I know you don't believe, but I'll say it once more. The Spirit of God said to me clearly, your best days are ahead of you. And every single one of us will enter into this season, this this level that God is calling us to. God's desire, ladies and gentlemen, is that his children, you and I, that we're always progressing, we're moving forward, we're expanding. And it's a process that the Bible calls growth. 
God wants his children to grow. You know why? Because it's as we grow and mature in God that God can then entrust his power, his plans, and his purposes into our hands. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says that even Jesus grew? You know, you wonder, you know, was there anything magical about his ministry starting at the age of 30? I don't know. He could easily have started his ministry at 25. He could have started at 40. I, I don't know what the... T- but I'm almost certain that even God the Father was waiting for the Son to grow to the point where he could say, now you are ready for the ministry. And at this point, ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us into a deep place, but we must, we must take a pit stop and check our lives and evaluate and say, how have we grown? It's as we grow and mature, ladies and gentlemen, that God releases, God is not going to release his power and his wealth and, and all the things that into, into immature hands, because guess what? We will spoil what God wants to do in your life, in my life, and the plans and purposes for the world. So today, our pit stop is to evaluate where you are, where I am. And God, ladies and gentlemen, please listen, God will always confront you in the area that you need to grow. I'll say that again. God will always confront you in the area that you need to grow. And the reason is that he's looking for children who are mature. Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, I'll read in the New Living Translation. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the, the, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together. What is the Bible saying? That this is the plan of God. That he wants to accomplish things in our lives, but he needs us to grow to the point where he can, he, he can start to do what he wants to do. And then, you know, I was taking a walk a few days ago, and then it just dawned on me that God is calling us into the deep place. Do you know, a deep place represents maturity. It represents growth. That's why it's important that we evaluate ourselves at this point and ask ourselves questions. And the three questions we want to ask ourselves today, there are three things that are fundamental to our Christian work. They're are pillars of our Christian faith. And three things we must ask ourselves questions today. So today, ladies and gentlemen, is an evaluation, but it's also an invitation. And the title of the message is, How Deep? You know, I, I was thinking, um, you know, there's this phrase we say when, if, if, if there's somebody you have regard for, they say if somebody you have regard for says to you, uh, jump, you say, how high? Jesus is saying, launch out. 
our answer or response should be how deep. Our title today is How Deep. Now, it's both a question, but also an invitation. It's both an evaluation of where you are, but an invitation to come further from where you are. Because somebody might say as we go on that, you know, don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm sorted, I'm sorted, you know, I'm mature. Really? You know, one of the things that um, evaluations do or assessments do is that they really put you to the test. And for everything that we'll talk about, ladies and gentlemen, God will put us to the test. Number one, three questions. And they're fundamental to our faith. Remember, it's an evaluation, but it's also an invitation. How deep is your faith? How deep is your faith? How deep is your faith? It's a question for you to evaluate. That's what we're doing this morning. But it's also, remember, an invitation to come to a deeper place. Because somebody might say to me instantly, you know, my, 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 my faith is kosher. My faith is really strong. But then God is asking you to come to a deeper place. And why faith, ladies and gentlemen? We talk about it all the time, but ladies and gentlemen, we don't really walk the walk of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, please listen carefully. But without faith, this is the amplified version. It is impossible to walk with God. And why this is important is that we have reduced faith to believing God for things. And whilst it is part of faith, you know, you are believing God for something by faith. Faith is more than what you're believing God for. And that's why we need to evaluate where we are so that Satan will not take advantage. You know, like the, the, like the scripture says, when we're not tossed to and fro. And a lot of people are being tossed to and fro because we're not mature. How deep is your faith? He says, faith, without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek, seek him. Faith, ladies and gentlemen, is the totality of our work with God. It's the totality of our relationship with God. And you know, that's why I, I, we've said this quite a number of times. You know, the enemy, the Bible says in John 10, 10, he comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Ladies and gentlemen, please, if you haven't heard it before, I'm sure most of you have heard it before. When the, when the Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he doesn't come to steal your car or your house. The principal thing he aims for is your faith. Because once he can knock you off your faith, then he knows he undermines your work with God. Luke 22, 31 to 32, it's an evaluation. Where are you? How deep is your faith? Luke 22, 31 to 32. This is Jesus saying to, to Peter in the Passion Translation. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you. Actually, this is the New Living Translation. Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has obtained permission to come and sift you all like wheat and test your faith. He's always looking to. Now, you might say, why did Jesus give him permission? It's exactly what we're doing today, to evaluate your faith. Now, Satan, 
The horrible guy, he's not testing your faith just, just to make you, uh, just to prove to you that your faith is strong. He actually wants to pull you down. Verse 32, it says, But I've prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this, after you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. How deep is your faith, ladies and gentlemen? And you know, should I tell you something? Your faith is only as deep as your knowledge of God. Because you can't have faith in someone that you don't know. And that's the challenge. I was counseling a lady um, a few weeks ago. And, you know, she'd, she'd gone through some terrible times. And, and, and uh, my heart really went out to her. Because, you know, really, really tough times. And... Um, so she said to me, she said to me, Pastor, you know, um, the reason why I wanted to talk to you, I just wanted to understand. It was something medical, m- medical. So she said, I just wanted to understand. So I started to explain medically. And then she said something. She said, well, I don't really understand it. You know, I, I, you know it's affected my faith in God. I'm actually disappointed in God. You know, at that point, I thought, you know, it's okay to be disappointed in life. But when you say you are disappointed in God, be careful. Because it shows that we don't understand or know God. And your faith, ladies and gentlemen, will only be as strong as your knowledge of God. Look at what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 11. And these are scriptures we quote all the time. But ladies and gentlemen, please evaluate today. Daniel chapter 11. Let me read in, verse, in the Amplified, verse 32. It says, with smooth words of flattery and praise, he will turn to godlessness. You know, this is the, uh, a picture of the Antichrist. It says, with smooth words of flattery and praise, he will turn to godlessness. Those who are willing to disregard the Mosaic Covenant. But the people who are spiritually mature and know their God. The knowledge of God is is a factor of your maturity. So how deep is your faith? How deep is your knowledge of God? And that's why we say read the Bible, read the word of God. Don't listen to social media and the internet. I was reading somewhere, some, some, you know, people were saying, do you know that our lives are influenced more by what we hear on social media than the word of God? How deep is your faith? And you know, when we don't know God, we start to conjure up things, uh, ideas about God. And then when, it, when things don't match up to what we think about God, then we say we're disappointed in God. And why this is so critical, ladies and gentlemen, at this point, is that the opposite of faith is unbelief. Remember, it says, without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please God. And then when you look at scriptures like Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, it says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. You know, I pray for myself every day. May I never miss the plans and purposes of God in my life. May you never miss the plans and purposes of God in your life. But what is the critical ingredient, ladies and gentlemen? It's faith in God. That's why the prophet Hosea in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed because they don't know God. Ladies and gentlemen, how deep is your faith? 
How deep is your knowledge of God? This is the time to evaluate as God calls us to launch out into the deep. You know, when you look at the scripture, you know, I, I just pray you'd meditate over and over in those scriptures, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 11. We've read it so many times. Just meditate on it. You, you start to wonder. So, f- first of all, Peter, God, Jesus says, Peter, can I use your boat? Do you know it was faith that made Peter say, it's okay for you to. And then he says, launch out into the deep. We know the scriptures. He obeys God, but by faith. Because, ladies and gentlemen, faith undergirds obedience. And then the one that blew my mind is that after catching miraculous fish, Jesus says, don't worry about this. I'm going to make you fishers of men. The Bible says in verse 11, they left everything and followed Jesus. I'm thinking, are you crazy? You've never caught fish like this. You, uh, if you remember, I said uh, they, they, they quantified that it was about two weeks worth of fish that, that they caught. And I'm thinking, you know, actually, you know what, Jesus, I'll meet you later. You know, you said you'll make me, I'll meet you later, but can I go and sort out this fish first? What made him leave fish and follow Jesus? How deep? Is your faith. First Peter chapter 5. It says, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. I'm reading the New Living Translation. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It has been tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, I say to people, you know why faith pleases God? Faith pleases God because what you're saying is, I have confidence in you. The converse is... When, when we don't believe God, when we don't trust you, say to God, I, I actually don't trust your character. How deep is your faith? Number two, how deep is your hope? Remember I said we're evaluating three things that are fundamental. They're critical in our Christian journey, our Christian walk. They're critical to success in life. And there are areas that God will constant, constantly uh, grow us and mature us so that it can entrust us with his power and his purposes. So number two, how deep is your hope? And somebody might say, why are you asking how deep is my hope? Jeremiah 29 verse 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and hope. One translation says, to give you your future and good hope. Hope, ladies and gentlemen, is the twin brother of faith. You know why? Because faith says, I believe God. I believe who God is. I believe his word. I trust his character and his nature. I believe all that. And then guess what? God makes a promise as he does to every single one of us. But do you know what, ladies and gentlemen? When God makes a promise, 
It doesn't always come to pass. So what is hope? Hope is a confident expectation. It's a confident trust that what God has said, even if it hasn't happened now, it will happen soon. It's a confident looking forward. And you know why hope is, is critical for a Christian, ladies and gentlemen? Because life will knock, <laughs> will knock you. L- life will, will throw storms at you. All aimed at undermining your hope. Because once hope is cut off, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing that makes a person look forward to the future. You know, one of the, the, the biggest challenges that we face as human beings is that demon called hopelessness. But hopelessness will never be your portion in Jesus' name. Hope, ladies and gentlemen, is saying, God has said it, I believe him, and I look forward to it. You know, when we have expectations, please be prepared for disappointment. And you know, what disappointment really means is that I was expecting, but it didn't happen. Life is going to be you know, will be dotted with disappointments because they're things that we're expecting. But guess what? When faith is combined with hope, life will knock you down, but then your hope will say, you know what, I'll get up again because I trust God. Faith and hope work together, ladies and gentlemen, because one is saying, I believe God. One is saying, I will wait on God. Hope is what makes you persevere in life. Hope is what makes you get up in the morning when things are not so, 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 so good because you are hoping in God. The Bible says in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, I don't know if I have this, Hebrews chapter 6. It says, this hope, 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's sanctuary. There's a translation that I love, but we can't find it. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans 15, 13. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is critical in a Christian's journey, ladies and gentlemen. And God is saying to you and I, How deep is your hope? Hope is what makes you hold on to God regardless. The Bible says concerning Abraham, it says even though his his body was dead, as in dead, completely dead, but he hoped in God. He heard the word of God. He believed God. He knew God, trusted God, and he held on to God. And guess what? God fulfilled his plans and purposes in his life. How deep is your faith? You know, I, I, I came across... Um, I, I came across, you know, these things that people send around in the internet. It, it was actually quite instructive. Um, some of you might have seen it. It says, um, a, a man was walking in life, in his journey through life, and then he came across a bridge. He was about to cross the bridge in his journey to life, and then the bridge was shaky, so he, he was afraid. So he looked up to God and said, Lord, I'm afraid, I'm about to cross this, this bridge in life, and I'm afraid, can I hold on to your hand? And God says, no, no, don't hold on to my hand. I will hold your hand. And then he says, but, but, but what's the difference, Lord, me holding it? God says, if you hold my hand and anything happens to you, you will let go of my hand. But if I hold your hand, if anything happens to you, I will not let go of you. That's hope in God. 
How deep is your hope? First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Let's look at that in the Passion Translation. If you can please put it in the Passion Translation. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says, So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. Prepare for action. Strengthen your hope. Evaluate your hope. And then allow the Spirit of God to grow you into a deeper place of hope that stays and holds on to God regardless of your circumstances. How deep is your hope? And the third thing, ladies and gentlemen, remember, how deep is your faith? It's an evaluation. It's also an invitation. How deep is your hope? And then the third thing, how deep is your love? I, a few years ago, I went away on a retreat. Usually try to go on a retreat at the beginning of the year just to, to, to be quiet before God and hear God. And I'll never forget, it was about four or five years ago. I went away, on the, the first week in the, in, the, in the year, I went away on a retreat. As I was going, you know, the whole year was before, before one, um, and, you know, wanted to pray, wanted to see God's mind, pray for this, pray for that. You know, spoke to my wife. We talked about things to pray about. I'll never forget, I got to the retreat. Believe me, I got to the retreat with 21 prayer points that I'd written down in my book. Seven categories with three sub subsections. So what, what's seven times three? Yeah, 21. Okay, 21. So 21 prayer points. And I'll never forget, I got there to the retreat on a Monday, Monday evening. And, you know, when I'd unpacked and settled down, started to pray and, you know, brought out my book with my 21 prayer points of all the things that I was praying for God for. And then I heard the Spirit of God say, Sir, sir, did you come to ask for things or did you come to seek me? So I said, sorry, sir. It's you I came to see and so God said, put away your notebook and just seek me. So do you know that I was meant to be there from Monday to Friday. So from Monday evening, I just started to pray, Lord, it's all about you. Just wanting to know God, more about God. Tuesday, I was praying. Wednesday, I was praying. Thursday, I was praying. Friday morning, I'll never begin. This is, this is not praying about anything at all because God had said to put it aside. And all because I just said I wanted to know you. I wanted to grow deeper in my knowledge of you. And then, I'll never forget, I was worshiping on Friday morning. And then, out of the blue, I just heard God say, you want to know me? He said two things. God is good. God is love. God is good. God is love. I'll say it again. God is good. God is love. Everything God does is good, ladies and gentlemen. And everything God does is motivated by love. And the sooner we know that, ladies and gentlemen the sooner we're anchored in our faith. But then it doesn't stop there because it's not just knowing that God is good, God is love, everything God does is motivated by love. The question is, how deep is your love? Because God loves you, my brother, my sister, more than you can ever imagine, more than you can ever imagine. Question is, how deep is your love? First Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to read backwards. I'm going to read from verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, 
I put away childish things. Remember, we're talking about maturity. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely. Just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of this, ladies and gentlemen, is love. That's why these are the three things that we're stopping to evaluate in this journey, as God calls us. How deep is your faith? How deep is your hope in God? How deep is that thing that makes you hold on to God regardless? How deep is that thing that, that, that no matter what knocks you back, you stand up again because you trust God, you have a confident trust in God? But then, more importantly, or as importantly, how deep is your love? The Bible says the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our minds, but then also to love one another. And can I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that if there's one thing you and I need to evaluate critically at this point in time, it is our love. Our love for God and our love for other people. It's the one area that Satan comes and sifts the most. It's the one area that Satan undermines the most. And guess what? Should I tell you why? Because the power of God works through the love of God. Remember I said God is good and God is love. Everything God does is motivated by love. The power of God works best through love. Everything Jesus did, the Bible says he had compassion, he cared for. So if you want to see the power of God move in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, let's start to love God and love people like he says. And that's the level of maturity that God is bringing us to. In fact, should I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest index of maturity as a, as a Christian is love. That's the thing that shows really how mature you are. And when, you, when we look around, we see, we, we, we see the converse. We come to church and we say the right things. We sing, we pray, we, we lie down, we say we worship God. And then, get, ladies and gentlemen, we are nasty to each other. There's a lot of division. A lot of strife and backstabbing. And then we wonder, where is the power of God in this church? Love, ladies and gentlemen, is the greatest force in the universe. Let me read a few scriptures and then we'll end. It's an evaluation today. Revelations, Revelations chapter 2. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This letter is to us in Jesus' house. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. If you go on. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You have discovered their lies, verse 3. You have, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. That's your faith, uh, your, your hope. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did before. How deep is your love, ladies and gentlemen? And somebody might say, what does... 
love look like? You know, it's interesting. Tomorrow is uh, Valentine's Day. Um, lots of people are looking forward to celebrating Valentine's Day in different ways. And um, I, I was thinking about Valentine's Day, and, and I'm sure some of you know this. Uh, it always reminds me that um, exactly 31 years ago, on London Bridge, London Bridge, you know, in those days, I mean, nowadays, when people want to propose to their spouses, they drop from helicopters or go to Eiffel Tower, you know, and do all of those things. But for us then, 31 years ago, it was really cool walking on London Bridge, looking at the water, and then I turned around and then proposed to my wife. Okay, since you are saying, since you are saying ah, can you help me thank her for tolerating me for 30, 31 years? <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, what are you going to celebrate tomorrow? What kind of love is it that you're going to celebrate? Is it the God kind of love? Or is it the world kind of love? You know, if somebody asked me and said, what does love look like? If you forget anything, and I'm going to read the scripture as I close. If you forget anything, please don't forget this one thing. What does love look like? It is selflessness. It is just thinking about other people before yourself. It is wanting to do good for other people. The opposite, ladies and gentlemen, is selfishness. Do you know the things we call love in this world are more about ourselves? That's selfishness. And that's not the love of God. Everything God has done for you and I has been out of selflessness. It's not because, oh, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know, it blows my mind every time I think about it. God left heaven to come and die just for you. He could have sent an angel and killed an angel and it would have been enough. But God himself, because of you, left heaven to die for you and I. You know, and when I, was reading, I was reading a commentary about Luke chapter 5, this, this scripture that's a theme scripture, and I was reading a, 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 a scripture, and, and, sorry, a commentary. And the commentary said, do you know Jesus? Jesus, Jesus, he was walking, preaching to people, doing what he was supposed to be doing. And then, and then um, he asked for Peter's boat. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, can you imagine the state of Peter's boat? They had just come back from fishing. So the boat must have been smelly, must have been dirty. They were cleaning their nets, but Jesus went and sat in the boat. You know, when I read that commentary, I thought, my God, this is so much like Jesus. He doesn't care about the circumstances. He cares more about you. That's selflessness. That's love. So if there's one thing you want to celebrate tomorrow, think about the other person. And that really is the greatest index of our Christian maturity. A few scriptures and we'll end. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. I don't have the scriptures here, so please help me. Romans 12, verses 9 to 10. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong Hold tightly to what is good. Verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection 
and take delight in honoring each other. These are the signs of Christian maturity. These are the things God is looking for when he can say, you know what, I can trust you with what I want to do in your life. Actually, verse 11, never be lazy but walk out and serve the Lord. Verse 12, what's it, verse 12? Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. I, I, I brought that up just because of, he was talking about hope. First John chapter 4. I'm reading from verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Verse 16, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Verse 19, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God that we cannot see, ladies and gentlemen? How? That tells us, ladies and gentlemen, that this thing that matters to God it's not so much your singing, not so much your standing and singing to heaven and saying, I love you, God. God is saying, okay, I hear you, I hear you, but show me. Show me how much you love me by expressing my love to the person next to you. Ephesians chapter 5. Two scriptures and we close. Ephesians chapter 5. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. All these things, scriptures are saying exactly the same thing. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, in the Amplified Version. Since by obedience to the truth, you have purified yourselves for a sincere love of, of the believers... See that you love one another from the heart, always unselfishly looking or seeking the best for one another. That is what it's about, ladies and gentlemen. And you can now understand why a lot of Christendom is frustrated. I was going to start the service by saying, how many people want to see the power of God like never before this year? Guess what, ladies and gentlemen, we will see the power of God like never before. But God is waiting for you to mature so that he can trust you with his power. A Christian life that is devoid of love, you won't smell the power of God. 
Because the power of God accomplishes the purposes of God. The purposes of God are always motivated by love. Should I say that again? The power of God accomplishes the purposes of God. The purposes of God are motivated by love. So you and I need to start to motivate ourselves in love. So ladies and gentlemen, how deep is your love? You know, when I was, when I was preparing and, and I felt that question asked, I'm sure some of you remember the song, How Deep Is Your Love? Is your love your love? How, how many years ago was that? How many, who, who sang it? Was it the Bee Gees? Was it Bee Gees? Yeah. Sorry, who? Oh, okay, all right, them, sure. Ladies and gentlemen, today was really a pit stop. It was just for you to take time to look at your life and ask yourself the question. And then as you evaluate where you are, the next thing is to embrace God's invitation because God will never leave you where you are. You know, it doesn't matter where you are, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter what the result of your evaluation is. God does not want you to stay there. The important thing is that God is calling you into a deeper place, a deeper place of faith, a deeper place of hope, and guess what? A deeper place of love. Last scripture, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. That's our last scripture in the New Living Translation. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus... There's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in, lo in love. Can you see why love is the greatest of the three? Because faith and hope express themselves in love, in the way that we interact with people. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 13 starts by saying, you know, if, if you had faith, <laughs> if you had faith that could move mountains... You know, if, 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 if you had the gift of, of prophecy and you prophesied, you know, all, all the gifts that we have, every single gift that God has given you is meaningless if it is not expressed through love. So ladies and gentlemen, my challenge, or rather God's challenge to you and I, is that we grapple with faith, we grapple with hope, we grapple with love, otherwise this whole thing is a Christian fraud. There was a song that came to me this morning. There was a song that came to me this morning as I got ready to come to church. Because I that I'm speaking to you, my wife will tell you, I'm grappling with faith, grappling with hope, and grappling with love. But guess what? There's a song. He says, I put my hope in Jesus my anchor through the storm. Is that what it says, yeah? Is my firm foundation. He'll never let you down. Can you sing that together with me? I, I put, put my, my faith in Jesus. My anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation. He'll never let you Let's sing it again. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. 
the reason that song came to me, ladies and gentlemen, was just to end by saying, you know, an evaluation is not meant to put you off. An evaluation is meant to promote you. And God will never let you down, ladies and gentlemen. Every single word that he has spoken, he is determined to accomplish those words in your life. So God will go to any length to bring you and I to the place of fulfillment and accomplishment in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. Sweet Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence in our lives. We acknowledge the fact that you are the one that is doing this work in us. And even this morning as we hear your voice, O oh God, we just yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit, and we're saying, you be the evaluator, you be the assessor, and show us where we are. But more importantly, Holy Spirit of God, don't leave us where we are. For my brothers and my sisters, I pray everlasting, Father, that for each person, you will grow us in faith, O oh God. You'll grow us in, in hope, O oh God, and then you'll grow us in love so that we can represent you to a dying world, O oh God. We bless you, everlasting, Father. And, you know, as we're praying, I just wanted to put out an invitation to anyone who's out there who's saying, you know, I've heard this word. But I can't say that I have a relationship with God. Don't forget what I said. God loves every single person more than we can ever imagine. That's why he sent his son Jesus. And all he's constantly looking for are more people to come into this loving relationship with him. So if there's anyone out there, whether here or, or anywhere in the world, you haven't started this walk with God, this relationship with God. This is God's invitation to you. A day like this when we're evaluating our faith. You might say, my faith is zero, but guess what? God is calling you to and say, come and start this work with me. So if there's anyone there who's saying, I, I want to start this walk with God. I want to start a relationship with Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. It's very simple. Just open your heart. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Open your heart and invite him into your heart, and he will do so. And if you're saying that in your heart, I, I just want to lead you in this prayer. If you just say after me, Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I've heard your voice. I've heard your invitation to come into a deep place. And today, I just surrender my life to you. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the Son of God, that you came and died for my sins. So forgive me of my sins and then accept me as your own. Today, I commit my life to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you said that prayer, my brother and my sister, that's it. That's the beginning of the walk. The same way he called Peter into the boat, the same way, and, and Peter responded, is the same way that as you respond, you start a journey of a lifelong relationship with God that you will never regret. And guess what? God will not leave you alone. Ladies and gentlemen, I put my hope in my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation, he'll never let me down. I'll put my faith in Jesus, 